Okay, before I go any further, I've just got to say, there's, there's a word I used to say a lot in my early career, and then when I moved to America and sort of got integrated into the linguistic sensibilities here, <laughs> I dropped it from my general lexicon, and I don't really say it in the work I do, but this is reported speech. It has to be, um, has to be talked about. Um, I'm currently looking at a game that Laura um, was talking about with our special guests today. Um, it's called <laughs> Cunt Wars. Yeah. So, Yay. like, to, to summarise this, and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to introduce who we have with us today. Uh, we've got <laughs> Mari and Stacey from the YouTube channel Geek Remix, who I am on a podcast with called Pixel Squirt, where we talk <laughs> about video game porn. Hello, Mari and Stacey. Hello, I'm Mari. And I'm Stacey. And we review video game porn. It's great. Yeah, it's it's great, but... As a result of that podcast that we do, I get a lot of weird targeted ads now about <laughs> pornographic material. Like, I'll just be scrolling Facebook. It's like, here's an ad for Cunt Wars. And I'm like... <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Thought you might like it. Here's Cunt Wars. Thought you might like it. <laughs> the, the thing is, usually when you click these... You know, they just go like, oh no, it's endlessly refreshing pages. It's trying to get me to download, you know, whatever fucking malware and shit. This seems to just be a fucking video game that's actually not terrible. This is almost a real game. Are there cunts in it? Uh, very much so. There are a lot of genitals. It's fully explicit. The um, wow. the character who's sort of giving you the tutorial and guiding you along, she's looking over her back. She's like looking over her shoulder. <laughs> Nothing on. And she is just pulling her ass apart just to give you a good look at the gaper. And she's doing that the whole time. She's just talking to you like, drag this character here so that you can have a hand job from the bitches. And that's the whole thing. I'm looking at a screen right now with the main character just saying, why won't anyone just give me a hand job? Oh and yeah, God. so she's pulling it apart. The full, full, totally starkers, norks and all, everything. And, and yet there is real gameplay here, which I don't usually see from these erotic games. Yeah, it's basically like a Plants vs. Zombies style, like, grid-based defense game, where you're, like, dragging your units onto onto squares on this, uh, you've got, like, a 3 by 4 uh, grid, and then so is the other player. And it's about positioning troops that have different combat mechanics uh, in order to protect your life and take down the opponents. Yeah. And the whole time you're doing it, there's a pornographic border on the screen, just in case the, just in case all the nudity in the game isn't enough. You can look over to the right where part of the border is, one lady licking up the lactations of another lady. <laughs> oh my god! It seems as if, from the pure joy I hear in your voice, that you would enjoy reviewing the dark things we see every yeah. week. Oh, no one. No one enjoys the dark things we see. We see terrible things on the internet. <laughs> well, here's some good news for you. I've got some good news for you. If if you are impressed by Cunt Wars, it appears <laughs> that the creator, Hooligaps, yeah. games for big boys... Are you about to tell me the, the game I've just seen an ad for? These games are for big boys only. <laughs> and, oh, no. and I'm just going to read some of the names of their other the other games in their library. You've got <laughs> Fap Titans... <laughs> Pussy Saga, Cunt Wars, of course. Smut Stone, Poker Sluts, Poker Sluts, Bitches, and Sex Gangsters. <laughs> so, Laura, is this more? Is this? 
better you would say in terms of gameplay than the games that we reviewed last time, which are basically like sexy cutscenes with like an eight bit like <laughs> person running around and mining. You, usually, when we find like pornographic video games, they usually just like click a button and the cutscene happens. It's not usually very much, but like there's gameplay here. Like I've played games that were released on consoles that had worse gameplay than this. Like off the top of my head, I would rather <laughs> play this than the Connect game. Uh, the the Connect Steel Battalion game that released. Oh god, yeah. I'd rather play this than that. There are quite a few games I would rather not play than this, if given the choice. I would rather play this than Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That 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 is a that is a Banjo Kazooie game that is shitter than this. I tell you what, when when there's a Switch port for this for Cunt Wars, I'm all over it. <laughs> oh god. Um, uh... Just if you do go on this, folks, listeners. Um, go over to the left, near the bottom left of the screen. There's a there's a little message that says tap to close chat. Do that. Yeah. The chat is full of hate speech. You close that, and then you just get a lady with a tail going up her but is that up her ass? I think. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, pro gamer move. Thanks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so hello everyone. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Podquisition. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? We're doing very well, and yeah. it's a pleasure to meet you, Jim. Yeah. Likewise. Hello there. Thank you for coming on. If you if yeah. y'all hadn't convened as as pornographic podcast purveyors, I would not have heard of Cunt Wars or Fap Titans. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. It's um it's our honor to introduce you to Cunt Wars, and now we all have a reason to say cunt without getting in trouble. Yeah, it yeah. is one of my favorite words. Yeah, Stacey so. loves saying it. It's <laughs> such a satisfying word on the mouth, but just like, there's a weird cultural thing where like, England, oh, you can say cunt as much as you like. America, not so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a borderline catchphrase for me for a while, but I moved here and I'm like, I'll drop it, I'll drop it. It makes people uncomfortable. But again, mm -hmm. reported speech here, I've got no choice but to say it. I've been forced <laughs> to say it by the government. The government, <laughs> yes. The government of hooligaps. <laughs> the government made me say cunt. Um, so video games, what we've done and played this All right, week. Yeah. Um we, we got we got some of them. Um I think I think there's one that 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 might be worth talking about that I think most of us on here have, have played e either this week or in general. Um should we talk a little bit about the original Deadly Premonition? I played the Deadly Premonition on PC, which in itself was hardcore mode. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. It was really, really fun. And I liked it so much that I just hate push through all the bugs where it would crash the game and it was unplayable. And I would have to go into the settings and change what version I was playing and stuff. But other than that, it was simply amazing. I, I hadn't even considered PC as a platform to play that on. It's a bad version. Yeah, no, I can't, ima I can't imagine there being a good version, but it certainly wouldn't be PC. Yeah, like even by, you know, the standards you'd expect, it was, it was a shoddy port and I don't think they ever fixed it. Well, I got the unofficial mod and everything, which kind of helped, but not really. But I'm very curious, are there any story-based changes from the director's cut to Origins? No, no. In fact, um... Uh, the director's cut scenes don't seem to be in it. Oh. Um, but it is a far more stable port. It's way better than the PC version. It kind of wasn't for a while. 
it had a, an issue where the sound kept disappearing. I couldn't play more than 30 minutes without either all the dialogue going or the music going or the sound effects going or sometimes just all of it going. But as of last night, they've patched it and it seems to be doing well. And it runs fantastically. Um, so I've got no major complaints there. That game looks deceptively nice on a handheld screen. Like, shrinking it down does a lot to disguise how much it's aged over the years. <laughs> I mean, we, we say aged over the years, even at the time. Oh, yeah, no, it looks shit at the time. It was a $20 <laughs> game. People forget that. That was part of the reason why I loved it so much, was it was $20, and it, it had so much in it. And yeah, mm. all of it was a bit bad. and Well, a bit. All of it was very bad. <laughs> but it was so perfectly balanced in its badness. Everything, a season for all things. Everything in its place, right where it belongs. And it led to perfection. Mwah. No, it, it it's endearing in its badness. But I also feel like in that time period where you go to the store, a physical store, and you see, hey, this game's pretty cheap. I might as well pick it up. Oh, it's Katamari Damacy, the best game that I've ever played and I is now defines my life. Or, oh, Deadly Premonition, it's very cheap. I'll just, I may as well buy it. And then you end up finding a treasure. And I feel like there's mm -hmm. a few games like that from that time period of physically going into the store and finding a game that retails for much cheaper than all the other ones. Uh, the way I, I, I've been looking at Deadly Premonition, particularly this week going back to Origins, the, the Switch port, um, it feels like, you know, in Japan, they have that thing where if like a vase or something gets smashed, they might repair it using, using gold so that it, you know, it... It's technically broken, but, like, it's beautiful because of the fact it's broken as shit. Mm -hmm. Like, it wouldn't be so beautiful if it weren't broken. Are you talking about the practice of when a ceramic bowl is broken and they seal it back together and it's, like, a new art form? Yeah, with the, with the, the gold stuff, yeah. Like, that's how I feel about this game, is it's like, <laughs> I can look at that and go, I can see that's broken but I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I, I said at the time, if you fixed any one aspect, it would throw the balance off. <laughs> I've described it before. I think I may have described it last week as that episode of The Simpsons where they test um, Mr. Burns and find out that he's got every disease on the planet. And it's only because they're all there in equal measure that he hasn't died and that a stiff breeze might kill him. But until then, all of these diseases are trying to jam through the door at once and can't get through. And that's Deadly Premonition. It's, it's, everything is wrong. Yeah. And because everything is wrong, there is a perfect consistency to it. Right down to things like you can't hear the dialogue sometimes because the music is so loud. In any other game, that would piss me off. In this game, I'm laughing because it's just part of a cavalcade of delirious nonsense that is still nonetheless exquisitely written because sweary is like he knows what he's doing i think he does it on purpose I, I think he does yeah i think he knows i would have put it down to a fluke but i played d4 dark dreams don't die i played oh, the missing yes. the missing is beautiful he knows what he's doing absolutely uh there was one thing i wanted to talk about was the trans character in deadly premonition and how their depiction of trans people changed from that to mm. Swery's latest game, and I wonder, you know, it's growth as a person, I guess, or learning. There was a lot of, I feel like there was a lot of maturity there. Um, yeah. Definitely, because that is, like, the the one big problematic aspect of Deadly Premonition is the, a certain 
unveiling toward the end, which has some very negative connotations, which at the yeah. time I didn't appreciate. Um, mostly because I love villains and I love camp stuff, and that's all I saw. Uh, and it wasn't yeah. until later when I sort of had it explained to me where the issues were with that. But yeah, certainly Swery has mm. evolved, and I, I don't think there'd yeah. be any risk of that with Deadly Premonition if a game like The yeah. Missing is anything to go by. Here's, here's, here's the thing that like gives me some comfort in it is... I put off going back to that game for the longest time explicitly because of that. I was a bit like, eh, you know, I, do I really want to? Do I really want to support that? And I feel it, it's still not great. It's still not great, but it bothers me less because of the missing and the way it was handled. Like, not not only does the missing handle its trans character so well, but if you look at the credits for that game, like you can see the people who they consulted with in order to get the trans representation right, and it's a lot of people from the games industry where I'm like, oh, that is trans and non-binary people that I know from the games industry who know what they're doing. Like, you went and found the American trans people and non-binary people in the games industry who were the perfect people to talk to. I have some confidence that Swery at this point understands the fuck-up that he made previously yeah. and's like, okay, I understand why I have to be better and who to talk to to improve. And, like, it's still shitty, but I'll look at it and go, that's shitty, but I know that the person who made this shitty thing has grown from it, so I'm I'm not going to be, you know, as furious or, you know, bothered as I might be. Yeah. And I don't think he was ever trying to be genuinely hateful with it. I think, no, I don't think I, so either. I think at the most simplistic sort of the Occam's Razor... He looked at like the trans character in Twin Peaks, which is where Deadly Premonition takes almost yeah. all of its cues, and wanted to do something similar. Yeah, I think I cannot be sure, but I played this on stream, and I have a lot of um, trans and non-binary people who watch me stream, and I felt really bad when the thing came up because I didn't have any spoilers, so I didn't know to warn them. But I think some of them were already fans of it, and they said, "Don't like." I can't be sure. They said that one of the people on staff was like came out during the making of the game or something. I if that's accurate, I I didn't know that, and that'd be interesting. But that's just what they told me. So I I don't have an official source on that. But yeah, it's that 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 game's one flaw I feel less bad about thanks to things like the missing existing and like. Deadly Premonition 2, we've not even excitedly had you right. about that yet, Jim. But, like, I would be less worried for Deadly Premonition 2. Anyway, Jim, do you want to get all those thoughts out? <laughs> I, I can't even voice the thoughts. They're just running around in my head going, Yahoo! I did not expect this. How the fuck did this get a sequel, Jim? Because sometimes the world is okay. <laughs> because sometimes life is beautiful. I mean, you know, I'd had an inkling that Deadly Premonition Switch might be happening. Not just because mm. I made my demands and the industry acquiesced yet again. Um, but I, I I could not have predicted that in a million years. I wouldn't even th I, I wouldn't have even considered Swery being as interested in it because he always seems to do very different things. So the idea yeah. of him even wanting to, never the you know, nonetheless a publisher wanting to pick it up. Mm. It's just, it's it's incredible. Well, I just wanted to point out that even though the game is so terrible, I feel like it's terrible on purpose because when you look back at the game and you look at the small details, you're like, oh my God, 
That was it because the shape, well, like details like the shape of the town, which I can't even tell you why the shape of the town is important, or just like you look back and you see all these tiny little like hints and stuff for the story or how certain things were in different positions and stuff like that. And there is genius inside of it underneath. Oh, yeah. This is a $20 budget game originally. The was panned in some places, not by me, because I knew what was going on. I was ahead of the curve. But panned in some places, IGN 2 out of 10, for being dreadful. And yet, you get flies buzzing around you if you wear your clothes for too long. And that's in this game. This cheap little game. And you sleep underneath the covers. Underneath the covers. The covers go on top of your body. Yeah, that never happens in games of that era. That just, they, they never do it. Yeah, the sheer level of detail in here. You get 22 bucks a day if you shave regularly. And you'll grow hair. You could be stinky and covered in flies and have this like <laughs> massive neck beard on with York pulling his weird faces. There are so many like pictures of pervert York. I feel like... This game has ended up very much like Twin Peaks in that it was not appreciated as it aired, but has become a cult classic in the time since. Like, it has... It needed space to breathe. When is that going to happen for D4? <laughs> it gained appreciation fairly quickly, though. Because of me at the time and Giant Bomb, we were the two that sort of really did it. It was me giving it a 10 out of 10, which I... It's the least regrettable 10 out of 10 I've ever done. <laughs> and Giant Bomb doing a playthrough of it. The two of us combined, and Swery has said this in interviews as well, that that's what got it its place. Yeah. Um, to the point where, and I'm going to toot my own horn here, I may or may not have had a CEO of a company involved in the making of Deadly Premonition say, and this is a direct quote, it's all thanks to you, <laughs> to me. I'm just putting that out there as reported speech. It's like cunt wars. I'm just reporting speech. <laughs> so mm -hmm. what you're saying is that you're God. Mm -hmm. um, he's not saying he's not God. I'm just saying that I have various nondescript godlike properties. <laughs> so, but there's, there's one little like, tidbit I wanted to share about this that I think is just like really interesting. Um, I have heard a lot of whisperings in the last week about the fact that there are people high up who have been involved in Deadly Premonition getting a re-release and the the the, set, the game getting a sequel, who are really worried about it. Like, it should tell you something that a re-release of a game from however many years ago took like a week for review code to go out. They're terrified still that this game won't be liked. Like, they 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 feel like they're taking a a, a leap of faith on this because of how the first one was received. Yeah, it is a massive risk. I mean, Swery not only makes you know made Deadly Premonition a this perfectly awful game that you have to be in a certain mindset to appreciate. Mm. Even the stuff he does that's top quality is so unique and requires certain perspectives, not better perspectives, just a different way of appreciating a game. I think it, what it's going to be really contextual on how people hype the game up in terms of social media and like memeing it before people play Dem Deadly Premonition 2. Because if people go in thinking, oh, this is a sequel to a genuinely normal good game, mm -hmm. they're not going to understand. So it's yeah. on us to meme. We have to meme. Meme to save it. <laughs> oh, I've been doing it. I've been using the, the share feature on the Switch is so good because... <laughs> 
every few minutes there's something I want to capture and I instantly tweet it out. The one that I loved was when you shared the, uh, they like it when I put it in, they like it when I take it out. Yeah, there was that. The one that really took off was, um, there's a character called Raging Bull who you, um, meet at the gas station. He and his wife, the one who puts it in and pulls it out, um, they'll refuel your car. And there's this scene where... York is like talking to him, just like, Do you know of any suspicious individuals? He's like, I ain't got nothing to tell the cops. Well, how about the FBI? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> people really liked that one. That's his man of the people. I mean, that's how you deal with the cops. Yeah. Th- this week, whenever I've been really excited about something, my reaction image has just been York doing a really creepy smile. Yep. <laughs> uh. Oh, you know, I've always found it interesting. Maybe I'm the only one. I try to enjoy Twin Peaks, and I never can get into it. But every video game that I've played that's based off of Twin Peaks, I've enjoyed. From Silent Hill to Deadly Premonition to Life is Strange. Whenever it's, like, based on the ideas that come from Twin Peaks, I'm into it. But whenever I try to watch the show, I can't. Is that normal? Am I a weirdo? I think that's common with a lot of not just Twin Peaks. There are things that, that I, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But um, I guess the most basic one is the Bible is a dry read, but it makes for some good <laughs> films. Oh, yeah. Constantine, A+. Plus. Yeah. I, I think part of the problem is that Twin Peaks itself is hard to digest. There is a lot of work you have to do to, to really get into Twin Peaks. Whereas a lot of the things that have taken inspiration from it have gone... How do we take what made Twin Peaks good and make it appeal to a broader audience? As opposed to Twin Peaks, which was just unapologetically, no, we are what we are and we're not fucking changing for anyone. Yeah, if you don't get it too bad. I guess I'm basic. It's just taking the things that worked in Twin Peaks and going, hey, let's make this a little less dense to get into. Mm. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I, I think there are totally understandable reasons to go, I love stuff that's like Twin Peaks, but not Twin Peaks. I think that happens a lot with pioneering stuff. You know, they, they have yeah. all these great ideas, but they're in a format that people struggle with because it's new and, and everything. And then once once the groundwork's established, other um, things come along and take inspiration from it and take all the stuff that definitely worked and leave behind the stuff that held it back. Yeah. That's sad. It's what I tell myself when I see YouTubers more popular than me. I say, I'm definitely Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, so in terms of other stuff this week, uh, Stacy, you've been playing a game this week called Gibbous, a Cthulhu adventure? Yeah, so this was actually, this is an indie game that I backed on Kickstarter forever ago. How, how forever? Are we talking like in the like three, four, five years range? I don't think it was quite, I think it was at least two years uh, because... It's like when you back these games on Kickstarter, you're like, maybe it'll come out someday. Maybe it won't. I've just looked this up. It went on Kickstarter in April of 2016. April 2016. Three and a half years. Yeah, yeah, three and a half years. Yeah. So, uh, but they, the developers, so the developers are like Romanian and it has this very like mystical Cthulhu vibe. Um, It's all, it's a point and click click game but it's all voice acted which is great because then you don't have to read all the stuff (laughs) um but it just has like a very cute aesthetic the developers were also like really really great about like constant development updates so it's like even though it took a really long time to get it done it's like you always felt like you knew where they were with the project um it came out 
in like officially launched on Steam in the beginning of August. Um, and so I've just been kind of playing around with it, but it's really cool. It has um, some really great environments and good animations. Uh, you have a magical talking cat and the Necronomicon. Um, and there's also a fair amount of puns, which is always enjoyable. Oh, I'm watching a trailer for this. The art style looks so nice. Yeah, it's really it's really cute and very like bright and colorful. Yeah. Like it's like it's dark but colorful, which I feel like is a cool aesthetic. Yeah, it's got a really it's got a really nice fluidity to it as well. Like this just looks really good. Yeah, and the voice acting is all really great. Yeah. I like it when low like low I, I guess like visual novels and pixely games don't make me read. Yeah, mm. yeah, and they and they do have um, everything has subtitles automatically. Mm-hmm. So like, mm. if you are a person that wants to like, I still end up reading them and following along. Yeah, but it's just nice to have somebody like doing the voice acting. Yeah, I'd seen nothing at all about this game before you mentioned it, and I've just looked it up. Like, it looks really good. It's got really positive reviews. Mm-hmm. Like. This seems like totally my jam. I feel like I need to check this out. Yeah. And I don't I don't even remember like it was so long ago, I don't even remember how I came across it. It was probably like some random tweet and I just saw the art style and I was like, "Oh, this looks cute." And then like in the opening scene you're in a library and they if you keep clicking on this one bookshelf, you get like A through Z like puns of um who's that guy that writes the Da Vinci Code novels? Dan Brown. They oh, call him yeah. They call him Daniel Maroon, and they make a bunch of, like, religion puns, like, going through all the letters of the alphabet with these, like, bogus book titles. Oh, this... I, I have put this on a to-check-out list. Thank you for that recommendation. Like, this, this this looks like my, my kind of thing. First Cunt Wars, now this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a real cultural exchange going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim, what about you this week? What have you been playing? Um... I played some Gears, but I'll talk about that later. I'm not not as interested in talking about that as I am in talking about Blasphemous. I made a game developer cry yesterday. But like, the good, uh, I mean, the good cry, good. though. It was for once, yeah. For once I hear yeah. about a developer crying thanks to me, and it wasn't a bad thing. Um, yeah, so Blasphemous, they really liked what I said about it and said that I... Uh, fully understood, perfectly understood the design decisions going into the game, which has never been said about me. <laughs> Many times I've been told I don't know what I'm talking about and I don't understand the game and I'm playing the game wrong. I have never been told that I perfectly understood a game. Uh, but Blasphemacy is, oh, it's magnificent. Yeah, just just trying to remember, is this the one that looks stylistically kind of like Dead Cells? Sort of, yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically yeah, yeah. got that very luxurious pixel artwork. Yeah, that very detailed pixel art that tries to do shading and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so it looks very rich and it's uh, everything moves with like real liveliness to it, even if it is a pixel-based thing. Um, it's got some superficial similarities to Dead Cells, but they're two very different experiences. Mm. They have Metroidvania um, inspirations, uh, Blasphemous has a Metroidvania-style map. It's got a little bit of the old Dark Souls in there, um, especially in terms of tone. This game is almost gleefully depressing. It's weird um, in that it's very morbid, very dark, but I didn't find myself like 
put off by thinking, oh, this is too mm. depressing. Sometimes I feel like games wallow in their own misery to the point where it turns me off. This, I was almost laughing because you get a pick up an item like a spleen, spleen of Cedric the Jester or whatever. Um, they're all these body parts that are like the grubs almost in Hollow Knight, these collectibles. And they've all got lore attached. And it's like, okay, well, I picked up this femur of this barber. Let's find out how he had a terrible, ironic death and punishment. <laughs> um, it's all sin and punishment, guilt and, and penitence. Um, it's got a very heavily Spanish flavour to it. A lot of the religious iconography in the game is based on Spanish history and, and lore and legend and culture. Um, you play as the penitent one who has a big metal conical hat covered in barbed wire, um, who's got to undertake the three humiliations um, because, of course, Horse. Yeah. Uh, when you die, you don't lose all your currency, like the the souls like currency. You don't lose it. You leave something behind. You leave guilt behind because, of course, you do. <laughs> and the more guilt that's out in the world, if you die, you just spawn more guilt, and you've got to go collect it. Otherwise, it's harder to earn currency and um, get your, your sort of your pa- m- uh, magic meter built up. But other oh. than that, it's a methodical. Unlike something like Dead Cells, it's a slower paced, methodical game about judicious movement. Um, count- Answering enemy attacks so it's almost some people might find it a little stodgy but i found it great it, it makes every battle just a, a little bit tense um feeling even regular enemies out and trying to bait them into attacking so you can counter and hit them back and it's just brutal on top of that like it's not just in terms of challenge though it is quite a tricky game it's blood is everywhere spikes whips chains and guilt mm. it is unapologetically brutal and violent um, but it really informs the tone of the game it doesn't feel gratuitous it's just that's what it is i mean the main character one of the first things he does is fills his helmet up with blood and then pops it on his head and he still feels like he's not good enough after doing something that awesome oh wow oh wait no i remember no now that you explained that i remember seeing the trailer and wow i was like this is metal as fuck yes oh yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a Kickstarter game. Um, I discovered it back when it first started. Um, I may have been the first person to find it, um, but certainly early days, not a lot of people have heard of it, but as it became more and more apparent that this is exactly the kind of game that hardcore gamers trademark really love, then it took more off, although Greedfall came out at the same time and kind of overshadowed it a bit. So I'm, I'm really going out there and talking about it a lot because I just love this game. And I was someone who kickstarted it, and it's one of those games that turned out to be awesome. So I'm like, brilliant! The Kickstarter rewards I got do not turn to ash in my hands like the We Happy Few art book I've got. You you don't have a bunch of tap for a shit game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice! It's always nice to have your observations validated by the developers, too. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, I get down on my own work a lot more than uh, I said this yesterday, more than some people might expect, especially because I have that sort of arrogant persona that I put in the Jimquisition. Most of the time I am brutalizing myself over tiny mistakes I've made, Mm -hmm. even as low as like mispronouncing a word once in a 40 minute video or whatever, um, which is what happened to me with the big video I made that everyone saw. And I'm like, everyone Uh. saw it and I made one error, one tiny clerical error. And that's all I think of when I think of that video. But to hear that, you know, that I just literally made someone's day, Um, just made a game developer's day by saying I liked their game a lot. that it, you know, felt like I put a little good out into the world, and it lifted me up a little. Makes me feel, 
you know. It, it's nice to feel like you do some good with this yeah. job where usually you're just sort of ranting into the void. Yeah. Um, other gamey stuff this week. Um, I finished off my first playthrough of Astral Chain. I've, I've put like 40 hours into that game so far. Um, so I know that like last week you really weren't digging it, Jim. Um, mechanically, this is my favourite um, Platinum game. Damn, I need to find time to get back to it. I really do. Yeah. I, I am 40 hours in. I have completed the main story on standard difficulty so that I have an overall S rank if you average out all of my missions. Like, my overall playthrough is an S. Um, I'm about 50 challenge missions into the uh, deep into the 70 challenge missions they offer, ready to go do the, the, the harder difficulty, which I never do on Platinum Games. Like, I play Platinum Games as a fucking casual button masher. Um... Mm. The combat in this, I I will I will say that the combat in this game takes too long to get going, and I understand why. They're trying something really quite fucking different with the way this game works, and I I feel like the fact that Nintendo probably stepped in to go. There's not a lot of character action stuff on our platform, and this one is really quite weird and different in how it does fighting. Please ease people in over time. Um. So, like, I will criticise that it takes a while to get going, but once it hits its stride of... The main mechanic that feels really, really nice is that if you finish a combo with your standard regular weapon that your, your human is using, you then get a little flash of light that allows you to sync up an attack with your legion, and then that will lead into multiple successive flashes that you can use to chain all these very flashy moves in different directions together. Like, once you start getting to that point where it's like... I do one combo and I can set off like six really cool moves. Mm, this game feels so satisfying to play. Having having finished it, and I don't want to get too much into specifics, there are mechanical things that I can't talk about for spoiler reasons that feel very familiar if you've played, say, Devil May Cry 5, <laughs> and you reach a point in that story where it goes, oh, this completely changes up the combat mechanics and lets me do a cool anime thing. It's got that feel to it. Um... It's not a perfect game by any means. I have some some lingering issues with it. Um, the the two complaints I have really are, I don't like the choice to have a silent uh, protagonist. Like I wish the protagonist had a voice and had a name, so that they could be involved in cutscenes rather than everyone just talking to your brother and about you. Um, like they recorded an entire set of dialogue for a second voice actor. Just just let. Just let my character talk. Don't make the brother talk for them. Um, which is a yeah, it's a shame. And the other issue I have is uh, this is a platinum game. They are definitely not known for their stories. Um, you have occasional ones like Near Automata where they will get someone external in and do something good with a story. Um, it feels like they deliberately didn't answer some of their most interesting mysteries in this game because they want to make a sequel. Ah, the Gears approach. Yeah, I would be super open to this game getting a sequel, but like, it kept reminding me of the TV show Lost, in that it set up really interesting questions that I was like, whenever I wasn't playing, I was pondering over like, ooh, I wonder what the resolution to that will be, and the resolution was nothing, they didn't resolve it, they put off answering the questions. So... I, I hope this game gets a sequel and feels a little more narratively fulfilling, but I'm really enjoying the combat. It's really fucking satisfying. And I've 
I've been enjoying the non-combat stuff so much. Like, I've been enjoying going around just being a nice citizen, helping little children find their parents when they've got lost, and throwing all the rubbish in the trash that no one's dealt with, and leaving the graffiti artists alone, because I'm not going to arrest them, they're just kids, they're fine, I'll ignore those side quests. <laughs> um, I, thankfully, it, like, you play as a cop, I took all of the cop, cop branding off myself as soon as I could, and was like, eh, I'm not going to arrest <laughs> these kids that are being harmless, that's fine. Like, I'm not, I can still get S ranks on everything while, like, letting that kid just be a kid over there um but yeah this is the first platinum game that i have really got sunk into the combat system on yeah i'm really into astral chain and i i kind of want to be playing it right now i'm gonna have to I've, I've had so much work to do that i can't go back to it but i really want to and not cunt wars <laughs> yeah it's i understand all of the problems you had with it in the that opening section that turned you off just I really think it's worth sticking with. I think your opinion will turn around if you find time to give it another chance. Alrighty. Yeah, uh, the the only other thing I uh, played a lot of this week is... Um, I, I played a, a game called Headspun. It was a little indie game that I've been excited about for quite a while. Um, I think start of this year I did a most anticipated British games list, and this was like the thing on there I was really excited for. Um, really lovely little art style. Basically, the way it was presented at was like, uh, you know, the movie Inside Out? Yeah. That, but for like a teenage boy. Oh. Oh, this looks cute. Yeah. Like, the art style looked really interesting, and it's basically like, hey, kid has been in a car crash, been in a coma. I say teen. He's like 24 or something, but... um, And he doesn't remember much after coming out of the coma, and it's his conscious and subconscious mind basically trying to put his brain together and get his life back together. Um... So, it, it has interesting ideas. One thing that the trailers and footage and discussion of the game really didn't make clear, and I didn't really know until I got into it, is that it's kind of a, a building management game, or like a, like a, a job management game. Um, a lot of what you're doing is repetitive mini-games to help raise blood, uh, brain cell currency that you use to rebuild parts of the brain where you then hire employees to work in those parts of the brain. It's a lot less what it looked like, which was, you know, full motion video, make choices, help him do the thing, fight over what choices to make. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It was interesting. It just wasn't sort of what I was anticipating out of it. There are two major problems. Um, first of all, this game's opening hour or so is sluggish as all hell. It is not a good showpiece of what makes the game interesting. Um, initially, the brain that you are in is quite big and sprawling, and you walk very slowly. And at the end of every day of doing stuff for this kid whose brain you're controlling, you have to do a two-minute walk back to your bedroom to fall asleep to do a two-minute walk back to the control center. Uh. There are four minutes of just silently walking down c nothing corridors with nothing to do between in-game days. Like, it's stuff like that that really break up the flow and make it not easy to pick up. Secondly, I can't say for any other platform, but the Switch version is fundamentally broken. Oh, and it's no. a real shame. Um, so I was having, like, a bunch of bugs in my... Like, I played it for about two, two and a half hours. And I was having a lot of bugs that were, like, irritating but i was enjoying the game enough to push through them stuff where like 
if you were in a shop and you wanted to buy lots of upgrades, you would have to buy one upgrade, completely leave the shop, wait for it to load, load back into the shop, buy the next upgrade. You couldn't just buy multiple upgrades because it kept bugging out. Stuff like that. I was like, that's frustrating, but I will deal with it. Two hours in, I got a progression halting bug where the entire brain control center, I couldn't switch tabs in it, which meant I couldn't progress the game. The game only has a single save slot that it auto-saves. I could not revert back to any save before that bug was happening. Uh. And I was not going to replay two hours of this sluggish game to get back there. Which is a real shame, because I've been excited about this game for bloody ages. Like, if they can put in like a fast travel system or something to, to reduce some of the wandering the halls aimlessly and can fix these bugs, it seems like there's an interesting little game in there and I'll definitely give it another shot, but... Yeah, it's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope it can improve. Like, there's like there's a kernel of a good game in there, and I, I want to see it do better. Um, What about you, Mari and Stacey? Uh, you've been playing something recently called uh, Eliza? Eliza? Eliza, yeah. yeah I, I know nothing about this one. We have been recording it for our channel. We haven't finished it yet, mm-hmm. but it's really cool. It's about... It's, I guess, the near future, and it, we are a person who is working as a, I guess, surrogate for a therapist that is designed as a program. So you put on a headset, and you just say everything the program tells you to say to your patients, and oh. and it's, I guess it's supposed to be affordable therapy. But there's things that the program does that is not exactly what I would call ethical. And then you go further in and you find out more about it and the background to it and how our character is involved in this program. Yeah. I'm trying not to give anything away, but it's fully voice acted, even though it's a visual novel. But it's like a really in-depth visual novel with a lot of graphics in it. So it's really beautiful. Yeah. And um, so it's kind of like a, the, and this this program is like you know designed to like bring therapy to the masses essentially. Mm-hmm. But the game brings up a lot of questions about like, well, what does that mean? Like, is that is this necessarily what we would want? If if the way to do that is like by essentially making it mass produced in this way, they also have people experimenting with dreams and stuff and what that means and stuff. But also there. The voice acting in it is really good because I feel like whenever I play visual novels, there's a fatigue to it. Well, especially because when we record them, because then we're doing all the voices. But I think the the quality of the voice acting, because I think they hired a few really professional voice actors, it really sells the emotions of what's going on because you're in therapy sessions. So these people are telling you these really intense things or even just normal things but just telling you how upset they feel and I think that was really important to the experience of the game mm-hmm. hmm. that sounds really interesting people had no idea what it was when we put it on the channel and people were like what is this this is amazing yeah. like we're really into this please play more it's very fascinating to me so I don't think a lot of people really know about it but I think it should get some coverage because like it 
is another one that was just totally not on my radar and it sounds like my jam. Yeah. It's only a six hour game. We just take oh, no, forever it's to not, play. I don't think it's six. I think it's longer than that, but. It's six hours for normal people, people to play. It'll take us way longer because we always <laughs> That's true. take yeah. forever to play anything. Uh, I'm, I'm always so happy when I get excited about hearing about a game and someone says it's only six hours. I'm like, oh, I can actually get through it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at my fucking schedule for the next few months. I'm like, I do not have time to play all the fucking games I want to play. I like games that sound feasible. Yeah. Speaking of other like six hour games, did you hear of Telling Lies? The one from yes. the first story devs? Yes. Oh I, my God. I, I, I was talking a bit about it last week, but... um. Yeah, that game's real good, huh? Yeah. yeah we, we, well, the the thing is, her story had just, like, one or two things where you go, excuse me, what? Yeah. Mm. This, this one is just, like... As soon as you think you know what's going on, you just type in a word and, you're, and then you're like, wait... Yeah. What? <laughs> I think my favorite thing was that, like, we so we had read some of the Steam reviews looking for, like, how long the game was. And this one person was like, oh, like, within four searches, I had the twist. And when we played through it, I was like, yeah, that's not the twist, though. There's, like, seven twists. There's, like, all the, there's, like, many more twists. Well, that's the thing is, I think because you've got not only more characters than you had in her story, but also more inter-character relationships, it does lend for there to be like, okay, each of these people has their thing that you find out that opens up their story, but also each of them has something with someone else that you have to work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's more so than her, like, I think with her story, y- it was easy to know, I have found everything that I need to to come to my conclusion. This, I stuck with, like, longer beyond, like, I was like, I think I've solved it. But have I, though? I'm still not confident that we did. No, after we finished, someone told me, like, oh, you missed this one storyline. And I was like, how? How do we even get to that part? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. But it was super cool. I I just like it because it's so accessible, too. And it's yeah. it's presented to you in this very interesting and accessible and easy to understand way, so you can play that with somebody who doesn't even know how to play games. Yeah. I just really like the confidence of a game developer that, and, and this was a, a praise I had for, for her story as well, it, that is confident enough to let the audience go, uh, make their own decisions about what the correct interpretation is, and to not feel the need to then step in and go, you're getting it wrong, you've overlooked blank. Yeah. Like... To watch this many people have this many interesting discussions about what they think your narrative is about, and all of them feel satisfied that they think they found it in such different places, is like, that. that is an art. Well, and you can get to the end and it'll tell you, oh, you focused mostly on there's this. M- there's multiple endings I found out. Yeah. We got bad bitch ending. Yeah. <laughs> I liked ours. Yeah, ours was cool, so... <laughs> Uh, uh, can I talk about WoW Classic and Star Wars yeah, Galaxies? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, not I mean Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So I've been playing World of Warcraft Classic, which is the official re-release of the classic version of World of Warcraft. Yeah, I, I need to live through you vicariously on this because I cannot let myself touch WoW again after many don't, a year don't of WoW me. addiction. It is really fun, and I have been watching journalists and people at Blizzard themselves saying, listen, this is going to come out and you're all going to realize you hate it and that retail is better. And when I say retail, that's the official lingo for the current version of World of Warcraft, which is seven expansions into 
Battle for Azeroth, which is boring and whatever. But all these quality of life things that they did to try and make the game better actually made the game worse because the current version, which is retail, you can do everything that you want to do by yourself. And if you want to do like a group, you just press a button, you're in a group, you go. And if you want to raid, like that's the only, mythic reading is the only thing you have to do that will have you have to try, which is fun, but that's it. When you play classic World of Warcraft, from the very beginning, from the very first quest, you need help. And that forces you to to work together, to be friends and to be friendly. Friends? And, Gross. And on top of that, you're on a server, because in the current version of the game, they have this thing called sharding, where you are in different layers, so you can change shards between different servers and stuff. So there's Oh, did no... you say sharding? <laughs> yeah, sharding. Okay. sharding? <laughs> There's yeah, not sharding. Sharding, where you can get like transferred to different servers and stuff, so you never see the same people twice. Well, here's the thing: I I can recognize how if you want a good proper MMO ass MMO where you are doing the MMO things, that does sound great. I'm gonna be honest, where I'm at in my life right now, you started talking about how in the current version of WoW you can just do everything solo, and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I but that's... I never have to do with people, thanks. That's the trap, because you think, oh, I can just do everything by yourself, but then you're not really having fun, and you're not making friends, and then you eventually quit, because you have no community. In this, I get in, I sign on, and people want to help each other. So I'll just be walking around long, and then someone goes, hey, do you need help doing this? And I'll be like, yeah, I, I actually do. And they'll stick with me, even past when they finish. And then, you know, usually as a thank you, I'll give them some potions and food that I made. Aww. And just walking along, people will just stop me and trade and just give me a piece of gear that wasn't for their character. And so then I think, oh, well, this person's nice to me. I have to be nice to somebody else. Because the game is much harder to play. Like, you can die really easily and all this stuff, so everyone wants to work together. And on top of that, you have to think of your long-term reputation because you're playing with the same people for a long time. You're going to be seeing these same people. So you, I have people who are higher levels in my guild who are out, like, killing people from on the opposite faction. So when other people on that faction see me, they don't want to kill me because they'll know that my friends are going to come and get them. So they leave me alone. <laughs> this this genuinely sounds like lovely and magical. Like this, this sounds like what people dream of when it's like, oh, playing online with other people. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a real community. And also, you know, we're building a good reputation because, you know, I'm nice to people. You know, I, I'm always nice to tanks. I'm always nice to healers because I know that my life depends on them. And so I always give them food and potions and cookies, and they are like, oh, well, well, let's play again together again. Like, add me to your friends list. And we actually want to do it, rather than just pressing a button over and over until I get a full group and it happens. Because uh. in the current game, it automatically puts you in a group. In Classic, you have to go on to chat or t ask your friends and say, all right, let's all meet at this place that takes 20 minutes to get to. And we all have to work together through this dungeon that takes a long time. You have to do crowd control and you have to communicate in order to get this thing done. And it's really 
awesome. Sounds really time consuming. Well, it's fun. <laughs> it does sound fun and it does sound time consuming and I know I don't have time for an MMO in my life. Yeah. Stop making this sound so fun. <laughs> You're making me want to play WoW again. I shouldn't. If it makes you feel better, because everybody knows how to play WoW Classic now, it does take less time. Technically. Yeah, but like, it still takes MMO time, and you're making it sound good, and I, I can't let myself get excited about MMOs. But um, if you are LGBT+, or anything like that, um, usually there is a server that all the LGBT+, people go on, just so that you don't have to deal with people that you don't want to deal with. So I don't know which server that is, but usually it's, it unofficially gets decided. So if you want to do research on that before you join a server, you know, it's cool. I like it because I get to meet people in WoW that I never would meet in real life, like Mormons and military people. We, I might not have the same views on life, but at least I'd be like, oh, so you guys have a secret room that you go into after you get initiated. It's an orgy room, right? Isn't it? And they're like, it's not an orgy room. And I'm like, uh-huh, <laughs> sure. Then how come nobody will tell me about it once they get initiated? It's an orgy room. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Jim, you you got a game on that list. What is it? Uh, Greedfold. I want to... The, fuck, the fuck's a Greedfold? I want to get in that orgy room. Me too. <laughs> I think that that once they get them like brainwashed enough to never talk about what happens in the room, because they say like once you get old enough and you and you pass all the tests, you're allowed to go into a special room and nobody's allowed to talk about what's in the room. And I'm like, so you're all having sex so, in there? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> they're sure. all playing cunt wars in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're playing. The IRL cunt wars. <gasps> like, they're not allowed to tell the younger people who are not in the room what's in the room. IRL cunt wars, the most dangerous game. <laughs> um, yeah, I played a bit of Greedfall. Not too far into it. It's a spiders game. Oh, okay. It is the game that's... It's it's one of the games that spiders makes. It is a janky... You know, that, that word always comes up when Focus Home Interactive publishes something because it's always pertinent. It's another janky action RPG. It's fine. It's fine. I've played worse Spiders games. I've played better Spiders games. Um, if you're not into colonialism, then you probably won't dig it. Uh, <laughs> because that is basically what you're playing as, is a, is a colonist, essentially. Um, but again, I'm not too far to see exactly how they explore that. Um, I've already set right one wrong. Um, that they were doing that me as someone influential in the in the game's world was able to set right um but uh yeah it's fine it's it's fine in that way that focus games are yeah there's not a lot more i could say about it at the moment I, i'll need to mm. it's a little bit fiddly and it's put me off sort of really diving into it i need to sort of make myself go in and play it again yeah it's a little bit fiddly and stodgy and the inventory is annoying to navigate yeah. um but it, it's got potential i feel like i might enjoy it more um but other than that i've been mostly playing uh gears four uh sorry gears five uh i lose track of it with how many there are now yeah you put gears four in the thing and i was like was was it the new one the or right, did gears you four? just go the new one sucks uh, i'm gonna play the old one yeah gears five i should say um which is pretty good better than gears of war four was although the campaign ended up buggy as hell once you reach the midway point um checkpoints stopped loading properly 
or events don't load like an enemy's supposed to spawn to trigger the next part of the game and it just doesn't and you have to quit but you have to close the game entirely because if you just try and go back to the lobby or the main menu it'll just be stuck on a loading screen indefinitely before it crashes um and that seems to still be in place um the online was a little tough at first a little unstable i was losing really good progress in matches um but it's it's I say way better than four was. Four disappointed me somewhat. It was still good, but it disappointed me a little. Um, Gears Five. I found the campaign more interesting. I like Kate as a main character a lot more than I did JD. Um, the Zelda style uh, structure of the campaign is interesting. Um, sometimes the game is in its linear form, but sometimes you end up in these more open spaces where there's an overworld where you go on this skiff and you glide over to a, like dungeon-like areas almost. So it feels like a, an older 3D Zelda game. Um, that's interesting. And I mean, I've got to say, like Gears as a series, people are gonna buy your sequels. You don't need sequel hooks. Yeah. You can allow yourself the luxury of having a campaign that ends. In a satisfying, resolved way. Yeah. Close to like Gears 3 did, although that had a cliffhanger as well at one point. I, I wish more games and more media in general would just give us conclusions. Yeah, like you can still leave the the, the door yeah. open for a sequel, but you don't you don't need to be as unsettling. Like Gears is especially bad with it, and Gears 5 is no exception. It introduces characters and concepts right before the game finishes, just because you're like, oh, well, now you know, I need to see the next one to even know what that villain is yeah. now. Yeah. And it's really annoying, and I'm I'm sick of it. Because the campaigns are good. I like Gears campaigns. I just hate how they end. Or don't. Again, this, this is the problem I had with Astral Chain's plot, was I was loving all of the anime nonsense until they didn't give me any answers about the anime nonsense. Like, we need something to go on. We need, we need to feel like we achieved something in a narrative sense. I, I don't need all the answers, even. Just give me, like, a couple. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for leaving some mystery in, keep playing a few stories closer to one's chest. E even just, like, hint that you're going to give the answer. Like, don't just leave the answer in a limbo. Go, hey, we will, we will get to that. Don't worry, we'll get yeah, there. It's... But outside of that, like I do, I did like the campaign. I beat the campaign. I enjoyed it very much, um, except for that sort of very last, uh, the very last part of the very last arc, where hmm. suddenly new things were happening and there was no chance any of them were going to get touched upon. Hmm. Um, multiplayer, I'm really digging. I dig it yeah? way more than I have any other Gears multiplayer because they've got a new arcade mode, Ooh. which is different from ranked. Um, all the classic stuff's in there. But in arcade mode, the characters have slight variations. It's been a little bit inspired by hero shooters, yeah. but they there are no dramatic things. Um, but each character has a special that's on a cooldown. Mm. Um, again, normally a, a more subtle thing. Um, and you can earn points as you play. I, I think these specials are in arcades. They're definitely in Horde. But anyway, um, as you play, you earn points and you can buy weapons. Um, from a set selection based on who your character is. So obviously I pick a character with a Baltog and start headshotting everyone because in arcade, I'm good at gears, trademark. I'm actually good at gears when people aren't rolling around with shotguns because in arcade mode, not every fucker's got a shotgun. People are using cover 
They're outflanking each other. It feels like how I always wanted Gears Online to feel. I wanted it to feel like the methodical cover shooter it is in the campaign. Mm. But it's not in general. I, I enjoyed Gears 1 and 2 multiplayer enough. By 3 and 4, I got sick of it. I was sick of people rolling around with shotguns. And people say, well, that's a fundamental part of Gears Online. Fine. I hated it. And Arcade feels exactly like what I always wanted from Gears Multiplayer. And when people aren't, when it's not a race to see who can roll and shoot with a shotgun first, and you've actually got to play with cover and, and all of the features that are in a Gears game, I'm kicking so much ass. Aww. I'm chaining headshots with the Baltark. I'm having a whale of a time. And Horde Mode's pretty good too. I'm glad you're having a good time with it. Yeah. Their new escape mode is pants, though. There's this escape mode where you like, you and a team have to basically just go through a, a, a set level together. I guess they're positioning it to be like Gears' version of raids and stuff like that. Um, but the, the one they've got, the one they've currently got, like you have no ammo. You are scrounging for a shred of the stuff. Hmm. And it's not fun. I don't know why they thought that was enjoyable. I hate the escape mode. I hope then the next one they do actually gives you a chance to use guns in the shooter. Have a cover-based shooter with cover-based shooting for escape. That would be nice. This desperate scrabbling and attempts to try and melee everything with a bad melee. Like, Gears has never had good melee because it's not supposed to be the focus. It's awful. But other than that, I really like Horde. I really like Arcade Mode. And the campaign was pretty damn good. So overall, technical issues aside, it's been pretty decent. And, and then there's its convoluted reward system, which is very grindy and clearly done to help, help make the boosters that they offer in the fucking store more <laughs> attractive. Yeah. But, you know, I was able to craft a pride flag, one of the 19 they've got. Hey. Um, nice. Which really set off some fucking free speech warriors yeah. who like free speech until they see a rainbow and then they get really upset. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I picked one of those from with nineteen to choose from. I was like, which is the wokest? How will I be the wokest <laughs> Gears player? Um, so that was an agonising choice. But uh... on on the topic of um, people getting upset about a rainbow in a video game, can I talk about the thing that made me so happy this week? Oh, Celeste. I know what it is. Yeah. So you know, Celeste is that really cool um, sort of side-scrolling platform game that has really nice accessibility options yes, and very a nice, re really cool story about you know overcoming mental health stuff. Um, so you've got the story mode in that. Then there is the B-Sides, which is a bunch of, like, really difficult challenge levels. And they've just released an update that is Chapter 9, which is, Hey, did you beat the game and the challenge levels and you want something else that's tougher? Here's a new little bit of story and some more challenging levels. And there are some shots from in that, uh, that update where the main character, Madeline, has a trans flag and a gay pride flag on her computer desk and there is a picture that she looks a lot less uh, traditionally feminine as a child and some meds on the table and it certainly seems like Madeline is trans and oh. I am all for mm. my blue-haired protagonist of that game that I gave a 10 out of 10 and fucking love being trans so sorry everyone that 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 super hard for, for real gamers only game that you love it's got trans people in it now well i mean i'm sure those people 
won't be upset because they always champion the creator's integrity. They don't want games yeah. changed because it might upset people. You mm -hmm. know, they want they want the creator's vision. They don't want censorship. They respect hmm. what the developer wants to put in the game. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to hear a fucking word about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for, for the people as well going, oh, you're just overreaching, you're just overreaching. First of all, don't think so. But secondly... Matt Thorson, who made the game, is non-binary, so like I don't doubt that like this is probably a thing. So I'm I'm calling it now. 2019 is the year of really cool trans protagonists in video games. We've got JJ McField. We've got Madeline from Celeste. Come on, give give me a third one. I need three this year. Mm -hmm. Give me them trans protagonists. Is Cyberpunk out this year? Didn't they recently announce something about the ability to have that with the character creator? Uh. So after all of the controversy around, hey, that's some kind of transphobic looking advertising you've placed into your game, etc. They've basically said that instead of having labelled male and female in the character creator, oh. they're, they're going to do the Saints Row thing where you can technically use any creative options oh, and okay. like voice options on any character. Can I like choose my genitals? Uh I I don't know I enough. I think it's body type and voice. Oh, okay. Body type and voice, but like they're basically degendering some of the options. That doesn't necessarily say whether a you can actually have a trans character and b whether they gotcha. removed the advertising that in and of itself seemed kind of shitty and trans. Which is why I've not talked about it because we don't know enough to know if they've done the other stuff they would need to to kind of curb some of the worries. I can't even follow what goes on with Cyberpunk half the time. There's always something new. They did recently announce that the the vast majority of that game is going to be first person, and so you're not going to... Like, a, a lot of those third-person cutscenes are actually going to be from a first-person perspective, so... Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, but I'll know. <laughs> you know, I will know. They keep showing off third-person cutscenes in trailers. It's like, actually, those will all be done in first-person, but we know that that's mm -hmm. scary, so we've not shown you that. Oh, can I talk about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, go ahead. I want I want to I want to hear about the fancy Star Wars land. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's really interesting, because it really seems like... It's in Disney World, and it's a new section of one of the parks. It's really big, and it's really detailed, and I think it's kind of interesting that it seems to me like the demographic for this is not children, but older adults with no kids. That, that doesn't surprise me, considering I've heard how much the fucking lightsabers cost. Yeah. Okay, so you can either get a legacy lightsaber, which is a lightsaber from the movies from either 130 to 170, or you can build your own lightsaber where you... Reservations were so hard to get. Praise me for being able to get them. It's $200. But you go to, like, this secret kiosk and you're like, hey, I'm built here to build scrap. Everybody, all the cast members, they're called cast members, have to do the LARP. I'm pretty sure they will be killed if they mess up. <laughs> Like, everything is called credits, and then they're like, do you have your yellow credentials and stuff? So you're like, I'm here to build scrap metal, and they're like, oh, okay. And then they, they show you secret drawers filled with, like, what your choices are, and you can pick power and control, defense and whatever, um, elemental nature, and one other one I can't remember. And I did elemental nature. And every once in a while, Kylo Ren will come with stormtroopers being like, what are you guys doing? And everyone has to be like, oh, we're just, it's just scrap. We're just buying scrap. It's whatever. Who cares? Like, ha, ha, ha. And 
It's pretty cool. So it's just a game where you get to lie to Kylo Ren all of the time. Yes. That sounds great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you go in there and like there's this whole like religious experience of building your lightsaber. You pick a <laughs> kyber crystal, like you put it together, like you take pieces and you put it together and at the end like you turn it on and Yoda comes and he's like, "You are a Jedi now." <laughs> you get it. And you get to play with your lightsaber. And there's also a droid shop where, um, like, you walk in and there's droid parts everywhere, like, swinging around. And you go to this conveyor belt and you just pick up parts. And you can build yourself a droid, either an R2 or a working BB unit that you can build yourself. And that's really cool. Here's the thing about this Star Wars place. Everything I hear about it, I'm like, this sounds amazing, like a memory of a lifetime that I can ill afford because it just... It sounds fucking expensive. Yeah. Okay, so with the droid and the lightsaber, that's $350. And if you just don't do anything else and just look at everything, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> but it's definitely made for adults. Because the, lo- yeah. the one ride they have open right now is the Millennium Falcon, which is awesome because they have a part where you can just walk around the Millennium Falcon inside of it. Oh, my God. And you're like, I'm in the Millennium Falcon. Ah! <laughs> But there's this shop called Doc Ondor's with a huge animatronic of that one alien that has the things on its side, and it's just, like, two eyeballs on top, Mm. and it's talking, but it's talking in alien talk, and it's moving around. There's animatronics all over the land of, like, little animals, and they have the the water monster from the Death Star sewers Mm -hmm. that, like, tried to kill Luke. They have that in the water fountain. And it'll oh, the come one up. from the trash compactor? Yeah, it comes up and it looks around. And they have a baby one. And they have, it's just, it's really cool. And they have uh, stormtroopers walking around and rebel characters walking around. And um, Ray's walking around. And she does this thing with the little girls who are dressed like her. And she's like, come on, we have to hide from the resistance. And they, like, run off and they hide. And they, they're like... Oh, from the Order? I'm from the First Order, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's all, like, really immersive, but if you are at, talking to a cast member, you have to do this song and dance of, like, what you want, because you can say, hey, where are the lightsabers? And they're like, there's no lightsabers here. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you missed um, the best. Do you mean the scrap metal? And they're like, yes, scrap metal. And, like, nobody's allowed to break character ever. <laughs> and so it's really hard to find out what it is that you're trying to say. The best part of the lightsabers, though, that you showed me was that they actually, they make different noises if you <gasps> smack people with them. Ah. Oh, yeah. So, like, I was like, I was like, Mari, like, smack me with it. I have it right here. So you can have purple, yellow, white, red, green, and blue. And each of those crystals make a different sound inside of your lightsaber. And as if you move it, it makes the lightsaber movement sound. And if you hit people, it makes the little ka-chick sound. It's really cool. I was I was very lucky that my partner has Disney Vacation Club, so it was much cheaper for me to be there than it should have been. But it was so cool. It's definitely... For adults. You, you keep telling me about things I have neither the time nor money for, darn you. Make it, Making me dream. <laughs> you give me things to dream for. One day I shall have Star Wars money and time for MMOs. Mm-hmm. It's it's <laughs> really, really cool. Um, I went there on the first day when it opened in Florida, and I only had three panic attacks. So 
Well, Congratulations to me. Well done. <laughs> it was super cool. And I just think it's really interesting that they're targeting more at childless millennials for new lands and stuff. Especially the Star Wars IP because I saw kids there, but they have a bar, like a straight up bar in there that's hard to get into. And I could see a bunch of parents wanting to have fun in their bar as their children were dying from being tired uh-huh. and couldn't reach the bar tables or anything. So it's definitely targeted for adults, and I just think that's interesting for a Disney thing yeah. to do. Well, they've got the money. <laughs> well, and I think that there's a big millennial segment that doesn't have kids, yeah. too. It's a definitely a childless millennial experience. I know that Disney is a corporate thing and that we all hate them, but I'm, I'm sorry, I have to be a slave. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. We we all love the things made mm-hmm. by our corporate overlords. Uh, is that a good place for us to wrap up for this week? Uh, yeah, I think I'm good. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, we we done we done did an episode. Cool, cool. I got to talk to the BBC in a minute. What were you saying about the BBC, Jim? Mm. Oh yeah, I'm talking to them in a little bit about get well things the corporate overlords do. Right. <laughs> Enjoy talking to the BBC about yeah. our corporate overlords. <laughs> All hail to them. Mm-hmm. This is the bit where you do the outro, Jim. I know. I'm, yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I almost forgot what I'm doing for a moment. Um, right, Laura, uh, tell people that that, that, that place. The stuff. That, yeah. Uh, Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. LauraKBuzz.com. That's where I post links to, like, everything I do. Uh, I've got a book that's out already called Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. It's out in places where books are, where you can get an audiobook at laurakbuzzstore.com. In terms of stuff I've published recently, uh, I published a big review of Astral Chain, and I published a Tonal Whiplash interview. Uh, It's a podcast I do where I ask alternating serious and silly questions. I interviewed person that I mentioned earlier on this show, Matt Thorson, person behind Celeste, um, you can find out why they're afraid of stairs, and also some stuff about Celeste. Um, I'm also on Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and I am on Pixel Squirt, a video game (laughs) pornography review show with Mari and Stacey. Where are you on the internet? Uh, This is Mari, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr at Geek Remix. And you can find our YouTube channel, Geek Remix, on YouTube at Geek Remix. Yep. And we also have a Patreon, Geek Remix. Where can we find you, Stacy? And this is Stacy. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at Geek Remix a lot. Uh, yeah, Pixel Squirt, that's a good time. Yeah, Pixel Squirt, where we lose a little bit of our soul and see the darkness in men's hearts. The mm-hmm. the discovery that we continually make there is that the most wholesome video game porn is about Nintendo characters. Yeah. Like, only Nintendo characters get pornography that isn't skeezy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, what about you, Jim? It's nice that, for their brand. <laughs> We do other things too. No, wait. We don't only do the porn stuff. Yeah. We do like lots of other stuff. We have like theory videos and Easter eggs and playthroughs. We don't only do porn. Do check out the other stuff. The other stuff is the great stuff. Um, as for me, yeah, I mean, most people know what I'm up to. Um, if you are in or can get to Piedmont, Alabama, on September 13th, Friday, but I mean, by the time you hear this, it'll be tomorrow. 
Um, and that's even if you listen to it when it goes up. Uh, but, but I will be at Pro South Wrestling and they're at the Pro South can't even talk at the Pro South Arena. Uh, I will be taking part in their Battle Rumble, uh, which I fully intend to win because ain't no one getting me over the top rope. So best of luck uh, so that'll be fun and that'll be live streamed as well actually there is a point to say on this because you can actually watch it live if you go to the pro south wrestling youtube channel they will have a live stream of the event um should be sometime friday evening um i think i heard there was an early start time of five but either way just you know follow the jim sterling account on twitter and i will uh, be talking about it uh, at the day so you you'll know when it goes live so yeah do check that out come and go see me do wrestling live even if you can't be there in person you can actually watch it over the internet um other than that just you know usual stuff i'll try and get a borderlands 3 video out before then uh before monday um if i've got time this weekend to try it i'm buying it of course 2k ain't giving me a code they wouldn't even give everyone in the uk a code so um but yeah that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your continued support for the show, uh, for any shares, any support and whatnot. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks for having us.